What's up? My name is Matthew Spazitti and welcome back for another episode of the Matthew Spazitti program where we talk about financial freedom and economics. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are just joining me here for the first time today, I first and foremost like to say thank you, and I'm really happy and just grateful that you are here. And uh, if you are joining me for the first time, then hey, go check out the 10-episode challenge. What is the 10-episode challenge? So real quick, it's exactly how it sounds. The 10-episode challenge is where you guys go and you listen to the last 10 episodes. The main reason I ask you guys to do this is is largely because I think you guys will get a lot of value out of the podcast. I think you'll get more value out of it if you go back and you listen to it, the last 10 episodes. And if you want to do more, more power to you. But you know, I'm going to be referencing a lot of things in the past episodes that you guys ultimately aren't going to know about if you aren't aware of what those episodes were about, if you haven't listened to them. So if you guys are interested in continuing, I think you'll get a lot more value out of it. And look, we don't do news or economic data. We don't, whatever we talk about, we don't talk about that stuff in a vacuum, right? So I think that it's really, really important for you guys to understand what we are talking about. I may reference, you know, something like inflation. I may reference a, a, a whole host of other things that I've referenced in the past that I've defined in the past. I may I may talk about some other articles that we went over before that you simply aren't just not going to be aware of if you don't go back and listen to those last 10 episodes. All right. So what are we going to talk about today? Well, it is the 4th of November. For those of you who don't know when this is recorded, uh, typically what happens is I tend to record episodes and uh, within the week I edit them out and everything. And then I don't normally post those episodes until later on in the week, sometimes on the week, most of the time it's on the weekend. And that's usually when all the episodes come out. Now, if I'm having a really good week and I'm just pumping out the episodes with very little that I have to edit and everything, then I might actually end up posting them in the middle of the week and whatnot. But for the most part, it almost always plays out where I end up posting stuff on the weekend and whatnot. And that's just because I'm doing a lot of other stuff, you know, and, you know, I'm taking care of my daughter in the middle of the day and I'm just doing a lot, a lot of other stuff. So I try to do what I can, right? And that's, uh, that's the best any of, any one of us can do. So that said, you know, I mean, it's the fourth and so far we're not really going to talk a lot about the election. I think I've made it very clear where I stand on both of those. So far, um, it's looking like Trump is not going to win, but the numbers are not done. They are not finished counting and whatnot. But in the end, I don't think it really matters regardless of who wins. I don't think the end of the world is coming if Biden wins. I, I don't particularly like Biden. I don't particularly like Trump. I guess I like more of what Trump wants to do to some extent, although I like very little about what he wants to do. I do like the idea of cutting taxes and whatnot, but only if those are paired with cutting spending. Otherwise, you might as well just leave the taxes to get where they are. Sure, it would result in more and people getting to keep more of their money, and I'm all in favor of that. I mean, taxation is theft, right? So the less taxes, the better. But if you tax less and you reduce the government's revenue at the same time as increasing or leaving the expenses the way they are, you're going to have to go into debt. And eventually, how the government handles debt is they print money. Inflation. Again, I've t discussed this in past episodes, but what is inflation? Inflation is not a general increase in prices like everybody else says that it is. Inflation is the is the increase in the supply of money. Now, once that money gets circulated into the economy, then we tend to see prices rising. And But anyways, that said, that's what's going to happen. You're going to either have higher taxes one way or the other. You know, inflation is just a hidden tax, so you're going to have higher taxes, whether it's actual taxes or whether it's taxes in the form of inflation. Now, it may not be under Trump's presidency, maybe under some other president. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. 
if you decrease tax revenues and increase spending, or at least keep spending the way that it is, and we're already running at a huge deficit, the deficit is going to increase regardless of which president gets elected. Yeah, it'll increase a little more with Biden than Trump, but I mean, come on, it still increases, right? Look, I mean, there's a lot of fear mongering out there. Try as best as you can to not listen to the fear mongering, okay? Just try as best. If you have to live under a, a, a rock, then live under the rock, all right? I tend to live under a rock when it comes to this kind of stuff. Yeah, I keep a little bit an eye on it, but I try not to obsess over, I, I'm not even, I'm trying my hardest not even to read articles right now about it, and that is saying something, because it's difficult, the minute I start reading articles, I can feel my, myself getting more stressed out, I can feel myself getting tense, and whatnot, and then I have to constantly remind myself, I mean, it takes training to do this, I mean, we've been indoctrinated all our life, that one candidate is better than the other, that one party is better than the other, and in the end, because of the the way the system works, whether you want to call it the deep state, whether you want to call it the theocratically controlled oligarchy, like I've called it in, in past episodes, you know, whatever you want to call it, the fact of the matter is that your vote doesn't really matter because the system is, we're not one of those deep-seated interest groups that actually influences and controls and points the government in the direction we want it to go. We're not one of those, okay? We don't have that kind of money. We don't have that kind of influence. We don't have that kind of power. So that said, it doesn't really matter. But in the end, ladies and gentlemen, you know, try not to get too freaked out about this stuff. Try not to watch the, the counting of the numbers and whatnot. Try not to do that. It, it would be very helpful for your stress levels. It'd be very helpful for a lot of things, you and your family, if you just can pull yourself away from it. But yeah, it takes a lot. It takes extra, I mean, you almost have to retrain your mind to uh, not think about it. When I was reading, like I said before, I mean, I started getting all tensed and everything, and then I had to say, look, no, Matthew, I don't believe this. That I don't believe that this is going to affect my life much. I don't believe that it's going to do much to me. And, I, and in the end, I don't believe that it matters that much. You know, I just don't. So I said, I don't believe that it matters. I'm going to stop reading. And I close it out. And it, it, it takes constant reminder because there's so many outside influences out there that are trying to get you into this mode of thinking that you have to vote. And if you don't vote, it's going to be awful. And, yeah, you know, pandemonium, right? And in the end, what they really want you to do is they want you to be stuck into this, this infinite loop cycle of voting right, of democracy, of republics, whatever, but they want you to be in this infinite loop of where you always care about the political theater, and you're always caring about what your politicians said, what what your team, your polit political group is doing, and what they say, and how they're interacting with the other political group, and how they're duking it out and fighting. In the end, th they're buddies, they're friends, they're on the same team, the team of government, the team of the ruling class, that's the team that they're on. And ladies and gentlemen, that is the truth. Whether you want to believe it or not is irrelevant. That is the truth. I wish more people believed it. But, you know, I also understand there, it takes a lot to get to that point. And, but anyways, that said, we're not really even going to talk about that today. I just, right now, you know, it's, nothing's been decided. If I can give you any piece of advice, it's this. Try not to focus on it. Try to focus on your own life. Try to focus on your own goals. Try to focus on you. Try not to focus on the other things that are happening right now because in the end, ladies and gentlemen, it's just, it's not going to make a difference, okay? So anyways, what are we going to talk about today? Today, we have an interesting set of articles that I wanted to talk about and really it's Positive economic data may be signaling a strong recovery. So, is it true? I don't know. Let's take a look at it. You know, in the end, I like I said, I think that the economy is going to take a dive sometime next year. I could absolutely be wrong with that. There's a there's there's no I have no crystal ball. Okay, I can't give you guarantees when it comes to the economy. I think we're going to see a crash. I think that right now the economy has just been propped up by the Federal Reserve, by the United States federal government. Um, and I know the Federal Reserve and the federal government are not the same thing. I'm saying I, I think it's being propped up by both through the intervention in order to prevent the economy from ultimately taking a dive before the election happens. After the election happens, then we'll see what happens. But I kind of think that the, the wheels will be allowed to fall off. And uh, I, I don't know for sure. 
Either way, if that's not how it's going to play out, then basically they just caused even more instability in the economy, even more instability in the markets, and they and they effectively kicked the can down the road. So if the if the crash doesn't come next year, it stills coming. It just who knows when, but some further time into the future. Now I, I look, I'm going to be honest. There's no good solutions. If you had allowed the economy to crash, we would have seen something worse than the Great Depression. We would have seen it on a global scale. Millions upon millions upon millions of people would have been out of jobs, and it w- and there would have been rioting in the streets. The entire governmental system probably would have been shaken up, and we probably would have descended into some form of socialistic dictatorship. That's in effect, or at least we would have maybe resulted in some form of war. I don't know, um, but I don't think it would have been very good. Now, the other alternative is just to keep kicking the can down the road and keep printing money and that is the other alternative is just to keep the the status quo even though it's going to cause more problems down the line you you know you have heard me talk about this it's going to cause a lot more problems down the line especially for future generations our children our children's children it's going to cause more issues down the line but that's the that that's the if they don't want to commit political suicide with they which they would be doing in the event of actually letting the wheels fall off this economy And when I say that, look, a lot of people are under this very, very false impression that the economy is actually was actually doing well before COVID-19 came along, before the lockdowns ensued. And that is simply not true at all. Okay, the economy was not doing well. There's a lot of manipulating factors in here that made it seem like the economy is doing well. Because what have I said before in the past? Look, go back and listen to the episode where I talked about that basically America is a drug addict, okay? And, uh, you know, basically that's what we are. We're like a heroin addict. And we need more and more heroin hits in order to get high. Because of the law of diminishing returns, we need more and more every time. And that is what we are. So every time we get more money printed into the economy, it feels good. Jobs are plentiful. Everyone th- everyone's consuming. Everyone's going into debt, buying houses, buying cars, you name it. Buying stuff with their credit card, buying pointless crap with the pre- credit cards and stuff. Look, debt is not a necessarily a bad thing. There's a good debt and then there's bad debt, okay? And... There, good debt is debt that basically makes you money and increase it is more of an investment. Whereas bad debt is debt for consumer items where the debt doesn't make you any money at all. And if anything, the item that you bought is depreciating in value. So really, if you calculate how much money it's depreciating on top of how much money you initially spent and you add it all together, you spent a fortune on something that was completely worthless in buying. That's the differences between debt. Good debt is what helps grow an economy as long as it's backed by savings, backed by gold, backed by something. Otherwise, you're you're ginning it up out of thin air and you're effectively creating infl- artificial inflation, right? Inflation is artificial to begin with. So don't get me wrong. What I mean artificial inflation is they're not actually printing money, right? In- inflation is the act of increasing the monetary supply. And in order to do that, you print the money. Now, the only department of government that has the ability to do this is the Treasury Department. However, banks can do it artificially by basically lending out money that they do not possess. This is called fractional reserve banking, okay? Okay. They can lend out all this money. You know, so let's say, you know, the banks basically have a 10% reserve status, you know, rule effectively have to have 10% of whatever it is they got in there. And that's the rule. Well, what if they have $100,000? Well, that means they have to have $10,000 in the bank account and they have to maintain that in their reserves. So that means that they can lend out $90,000 that they do not possess. This one act is artificial inflation, artificially increasing the monetary supply, the supply of money that is available to the people. That's what that is. So ladies and gentlemen, uh, the Federal Reserve does this by basically buying or taking on its balance sheets or taking on treasury bonds and treasury bills on its balance sheets, which are artificial, which gives the treasury an artificial amount of money without physical dollars actually being printed. And then you also have money that is being uh, given out by the banks where they don't actually have the savings. It's not 100% reserved, right? They don't have all the money that they are lending out. This is what is inflation, ladies and gentlemen. And honestly, the banks have contributed more to inflation than the Federal Reserve has, but they have both contributed. Anyways, that said, 
let's go ahead and talk about what is happening in the economy today, but just know that the can is basically just being kicked down the road, and that's ultimately what's happening. And if it doesn't happen this year, it just is creating more instability that will eventually cause the inevitable crash later on down the line. So, just, you know, it's important to keep those things in mind. I still think that we're going to see a lot of turbulence, and I th- think there's a high possibility that we will still see a crash next year, but we'll have, we'll just have to see. So anyways, uh, so first and foremost, I've got a few, two articles. All of them are from the American Institute for Economic Research, and they're all by Robert Hughes. Okay, so here's the positive data. First is initial claims and continuing claims for unemployment benefits fall. Again, now this was posted on October 29th. So almost a full week ago, but, um, so anyways, let's go ahead and read it. It's very short. So it says initial claims for regular state unemployment insurance totaled 751,000 for the week ending October 24th, down 40,000 from the previous week's revised tally of 791,000 claims have posted a second consecutive week below 800,000 though the level is still high by historical comparison. The four-week average was 787,750, down 24,500 from the prior average. The latest week is the 32nd week of historically massive claims. Prior to the lockdowns, initial claims were running around 230,000. Persistent initial claims at such a historically high level remain a troubling sign for the labor market, recovery, and economy. The number of ongoing claims for the state unemployment programs totaled 8.03 million for week ending October 10th, down 921,277 from the prior week. For the second week in 2019, ongoing claims were 1.384 million. Continuing claims from state programs have tended lower since the peak in early March. Over the same period, continuing claims in all federal programs have tended higher, reaching 14.623 million for the week ending October 10th. The total number of people claiming benefits in all unemployment programs, including all emergency programs, was 22.654 million for the week ended October 10th, down 415,727 from the prior week. While there has been improvement from the catastrophic results in March and April, the current levels of weekly initial claims and continuing claims in all programs are still very high. Government-imposed restrictions intended to slow the spread of COVID-19 continue to wreak havoc on the economy and the labor market. A resurgence of new COVID-19 cases is raising the possibility of renewed restrictions. The longer consumers remain restricted and businesses remain closed or limited, the more uncertain a labor market recovery becomes and the higher probability of a slow and drawn out economy economic recovery. Now that that's the end of the article. And that was the, 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 the later half there was not really the, the best sign, but it basically says, you know, that the numbers are falling. The initial claims for continuing unemployment, the numbers are falling. And as long as that trend continues, that could be good. However, if there are more lockdowns, if certain states continue the lockdowns, you know, in the end, we could see the numbers spike again, but it's still a good sign to see that, you know, numbers at least are decreasing for now. And and that's good. That's really good. That's a move in the right direction at the very least. So, and the the next article is durable goods orders rose again in September, and the third article is U.S. economy posts record gain, but areas of weakness persist. Now, the only reason that I'm reading all three of these articles, and I normally wouldn't read three, typically I I like to read one or two as long as they're relatively short. The only reason I'm willing to read these three is because it's pretty short, just straight economic data. That's all it is. It's not very long. It's not a ton of information. If I mean, I'm going to post all of it in the link in the, in the the show notes page below. So if you're interested in reading it yourself, look, it's a really quick read. It's just a bunch of numbers and stuff. So it, it has some good insights and everything. I just thought it was interesting and it was some positive data. So I don't know. We'll have to wait and see, but it's not a terrible thing to keep an eye out. Look, I'm not, I'm not, look, I don't really want to be right, ladies and gentlemen, Okay. Okay, I don't really want to be right. Okay, while it would feel good to be vindicated saying that the economy is going to crash and then it does, because then I could claim that I predicted it correctly, and that would be nice. I'm not going to lie to you. Of course it would be nice. I would love to be vindicated in that sense because I've known lots of people who are like, yeah, the economy is crash, not going to crash. You're, you're insane. And I'm like, look, there's a lot of data that isn't positive. I'm not saying that just to be to try to make myself look better or superior, or anything of the sort. I'm saying it because I genuinely think it's going to happen. And it would be nice to be vindicated in that sense. However, 
in order for me to be vindicated, millions upon millions more are going to have to continue to lose their jobs and we're going to be in dire straits like 2008. And that's not something I want to see. Heck, as I've said in, in past episodes, you know, currently I'm not making enough money in order to take over, you know, and become the primary income provider in my family. My wife is and she could lose her job. Right. So there's a lot of things that I don't necessarily want this to happen. I would have liked more time to be able to grow my channel, to be able or my podcast, to be able to grow my website, newmillenniumwealth.com, you know, and, and, and do a whole host of things. So anyways, that said, I don't really want it to happen. Okay, I don't really want the crash to occur because it means a lot of suffering. It might mean my own suffering, but it means a lot of suffering for a lot of people. And that's not something I want to see happen. I liked things the way they were before where the economy wasn't exactly, while it wasn't on a good footing, at least it felt good, right? And there felt like there was some stability. I would prefer it to be that than knowing that, that, that everything's up in the air. But that said, let's go ahead and read the next article. The Durable Goods Orders Rose Again in September article. Now, this was posted on October 27th, so still last week um, and whatnot. So pretty pretty, uh, recent. And again, this was also posted by Robert Hughes. Okay, new orders for durable goods posted a fifth consecutive gain in September, rising 1.9% following a gain of 0.4% in August 11.8% percent in July, 7.7% in June, and 15.0% in May. The gains follow drops of 18.3% in April and 16.7% in March. Durable goods orders excluding aircraft and parts rose 0.5% for the month following a dip of 0.5% in August and three monthly gains from May through July. That puts the level of orders at 233.1 billion, just 0.6% below the all-time high of 233.3 billion in July, and just the fourth time orders have exceeded $233 billion. New orders for non-defense capital goods, excluding aircraft, a proxy for business equipment investment, rose 1.0% in September after gaining 2.1% in August, putting the level at $68.7 billion, the highest since September 2014. This important category had been in the peak 65 to $70 billion range for several periods over the past 15 years before dropping to $61.3 billion in April 2020. The $61.3 billion pace was the slowest since September 2017. Despite the positive performance of overall durable goods orders, the major categories of durable goods shown in the report had mixed results in the latest month. Among the individual categories, primary metals rose 4%, fabricated metal products gained 1.2%, machinery orders were off 0.3%, computers and electronic data products increased 0.6%, electrical equipment and appliances declined 2.0%, transportation equipment orders rose 4.1%, and the catch-all other durables category was up 0.9%. Furthermore, while all the categories fell sharply in March and April, only four categories are above their their February 2020 level as of September. Non-defense capital goods, excluding aircraft, computers, and electronic products, motor vehicles, and parts, and all other durables. Non-defense aircraft orders were positive in September, totaling $1.8 billion after suffering net negative orders in five of the past six months. Net negative new orders represent cancellation of previously placed orders, totaling more than total new orders for the period. Significant cancellations over the past few months have left unfilled orders for non-defense aircraft at $481.3 billion, the lowest total since May 2013. The report on durable goods orders reflects the continued positive effects of the easing of government shutdown policies implemented in reaction to the outbreak of COVID-19. Extraordinary damage has been caused, but as government restrictions are eased, signs of a recovery are emerging. However, the recovery is very uneven across the economy and the pace has slackened in some areas, raising concern about the durability of the recovery. Okay, now I know that that was, I know that there was a lot of numbers in there and I do apologize for that. I still felt that it was important, which is why I did. If you guys don't like that, then go to newmillenniumwealth.com. Click on the contact me page and sign up for my newsletter and ultimately leave me a a message there saying, yeah, I wasn't really too fond of that one article. A lot of numbers, very hard to keep up with. But that said, though, you know, 
it was it's good information. There's a lot of charts on here. If you want to go look at that, then that's it's a great source of information. I still think it's good, and it, it it is a good sign. While not all areas of the economy are rising, it is a good sign that some are, and that could be a very very positive thing. It could be signaling a recovery. Um, so we're again, it's one of those things where we're just going to have to wait and see. But it's positive data nonetheless, and positive data isn't a bad thing. So, all right, last article here. Oh, and by the way, if you do decide to subscribe to my newsletter, okay, I promise I will not be spamming you. In, in fact, I don't really do much with the email in the first place. If you want, I can start posting and sending these podcasts directly to your email if that's something that you guys desire. Make sure to let me know there. And um, yeah, it, you know, if you, if you want to be part of it, that's great. I, I don't use it as much as I should, admittedly. So I promise you... I will absolutely not be spamming you. Now, another thing that we could use the the news the newsletter for is that if I do have these articles for the week, I could send you guys these articles so that you guys can read them on your own. If you guys are interested in that and receiving that kind of stuff, because I do this kind of research all the time. You know, I'm always on the Mises Institute, fee.org, American Institute for Economic Research.org, you know, you know, and a whole bunch of other websites. I'm, I'm always, always, always doing research on stuff, you know, so if you guys are interested in that and you, you want something like that, that type of a service free of charge to you, of course, then uh, go ahead and message me, you know, go hit me up at locals.com, message me there, hit me up on Twitter, hit me up on Parler, you know, hit me up on all of those locations and send me a personal message or you can go and you can subscribe to the email newsletter and live me. There's a little bit of a, uh, you know, your name and then your email address. And then, of course, there's a comment section there. You can leave your comments there if that's what you want to do. Again, go to newmillenniumwealth.com and on the main page, it'll say get started for free. There will be a button that you click there. It'll take you to the contact me page and you can fill out all that information there and whatnot and leave me what you feel about these types of articles or sending you the articles in the email and whatnot and and just kind of go from there. Again, guys, everything that I'm doing right now is very much in its infancy, right? The podcast is in its infancy. We just, uh, this is episode 61, so we just popped over episode 60. That's pretty awesome. And uh, yeah, everything that we're doing here, everything that I'm doing is very, very much in its infancy. So if you're getting value out of it, you like it, make sure to go subscribe to that stuff. Make sure to go follow me on Locals, Twitter, Parlor. make sure, you know, Facebook. I got a Facebook page. It's a Matthew Spizzy program. And then, of course, there's a YouTube channel and stuff. So if you like what I'm doing, make sure to go to all those places. I leave all the links to those in the show notes below in every single episode. There's a follow me section. If you scroll all the way down and you go look at it, there's a lot of great stuff there. So if you want to follow me, make sure to go follow me in all those places. And if you want to shoot me a message, those are the best ways to do it. All right. The last and final article here is the U.S. economy posts record gain, but areas of weakness persist. Now, again, this was posted by Robert Hughes on October 29th of this year. Real gross domestic product surged at a historic 33.1% annualized rate in the third quarter, up sharply from a historic 31.4% pace of decline in the second quarter. Over the past four quarters, real gross domestic product is still down 2.9% and 3.4%, or $659 billion. Below the previous expansion trend, on a nominal basis, gross domestic product rose 38% in the third quarter, putting the change from a year ago at a negative 1.8%. Real final sale to private domestic purchases, a key measure of private domestic demand, jumped at a 38.1% annualized rate in the third quarter versus a 32.4% pace of decline in the second quarter. The rebound still leaves this important measure 4.2% below trend. And then there's a whole bunch of uh, charts that you guys can read and whatnot that look very interesting. Very, very fancy charts. Okay. Gains were widespread across the different areas of the economy. Real consumer spending rose sharply in the third quarter, increasing at a 40.7% pace compared to a negative 33.2% rate in the second quarter. The gain was the result of rises in spending on durable goods, up 82.2%, non-durable goods, 28.8%, and services, 38.4%. See second chart. Business fixed investment increased at a 28.5% annualized rate in the third quarter of 2020. That gain was led by a 70.1% surge in spending on equipment, while spending on structures fell 14.4%. The fourth consecutive decline in intellectual property investment fell at a 1.0% pace. 
Residential investment or housing jumped at a 59.7% annual rate in the third quarter compared to 64.4% drop in the prior quarter. Housing has shown resilience in the current environment as extremely low interest rates combined with the desire by some people to move away from virus epicenters has created demand. Businesses liquidated inventory at a $1.0 billion annual rate in real terms in the third quarter versus liquidation at a $287 billion rate in the second quarter, adding 6.62 percentage points to third quarter growth after subtracting 3.5 percentage points in the prior quarter. Exports rose at a 59.7% pace while imports rocketed at a higher 91.1% rate. Since imports count as a negative in the calculation of gross domestic product, a gain in import is a negative for GDP growth, subtracting 7.99 percentage points. Net trade, as used in the calculation of gross domestic product, subtracted 3.09 percentage points from overall growth. Government spending fell at a 4.5% annualized rate in the third quarter compared to a 2.5% gain in the second quarter, subtracting 0.68 percentage points from growth versus 0.77 point contribution in the second quarter of the year. Despite the rebounds in the third quarter, several key components of domestic demand remain well below their for their fourth quarter 2019 level. Consumer spending on durable goods and on non-durable goods as well as new home construction are the three areas that are above prior peaks while consumer services, all three major components of business, fixed investment, and exports are all well below the fourth quarter. High levels of uncertainty especially regarding policy, are likely to sustain an elevated level of caution among businesses, resulting in a weak investment and slow recovery for the labor market. Consumer price measures also showed a rise in the third quarter. The personal consumption price index rose at a 3.7% annualized rate, up from a negative 1.6% pace in the second quarter. From a year ago, the index is up 1.2%, well below the Federal Reserve's 2% target. Excluding the volatile food and energy categories, the, the core PCI, P Personal Consumption Expenditures Index, rose at a 3.5% pace, versus a drop of 0.8% in the second quarter. From a year ago, the core PCI index is up 1.4% and has been at or below 2% since 2012. The U.S. economy suffered a historic contraction in the second quarter as government shutdowns intended to fight the COVID-19 outbreak sent economic activity plunging and unemployment soaring. Reopening has spurred a historic rebound in the third quarter, but some areas of the economy remain below pre-pandemic levels. A resurgence of new cases and deaths attributed to COVID-19, as well as the extreme partisanship related to the upcoming election, is sustaining a high level of uncertainty, confusion, and risk aversion among consumers, businesses, putting the recovery at great risk. All right, so that's the end of that article. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that said, let's go ahead and do the affiliate programs for today. All right, guys, if you are interested in becoming financially free, then one of the best ways to become financially free, ladies and gentlemen, is to learn how to trade Forex. Now, what is Forex? Forex stands for foreign exchange. It's basically trading currencies, and it's one of the largest financial markets in the world that the vast majority of people don't even know about. But it's one of the biggest and most volatile markets in the world, and where there is volatility, ladies and gentlemen, there is the ability to make profits. So if you're interested in becoming a Forex trader, you don't have to, uh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you my personal opinion. One of the reasons I love Forex trading so much is because you can effectively make money. You don't have to sell any products or service to anybody. You don't have to put yourself out there at all. And, you know, that's, that, there are, those are some of the biggest complaints of people who don't want to become financially free, who don't want to start their own blog, their own podcast. They don't want to do videos or anything of the sort. They don't want to sell a product or service. They don't want to have any kind of interaction with customers because that can be a headache and stuff. Yeah, it can. All, all of that can be totally a headache, right? When you become financially free through the source of Forex trading, and you become a consistently profitable trader, then you don't have to sell anything. I mean, obviously you're buying and selling currencies against each against other currencies, but you don't have to, you know, sell anything to any one individual person. You don't have customers. You put your money in the market, you pull your money out with more money, right? It's kind of like a, a little war. You're sending your dollars off and you you want them to, to bring back other troops, to bring back more money. Or you could think of it like fishing if you're not really of the war-favoring type and you're anti-war or whatever. Think of it like fishing. You put, a, you put your money on your fishing rod on your hook, send the hook out, it comes back, it brings a fish. Right? It comes back and it brings back more money. 
But anyways, the, the point is, is that trading is a lot like fishing. I like to view it in that way. And, you know, it's a game of numbers. You're going to lose. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. But you keep throwing your line out, throwing your line out. And, you're, and the name of the game is to win more often than you lose. Or to win more than what you lose. See, it's, it's even possible to win less than 50% of the time, but still become more profitable than when you lose, as long as you're winning a lot more than you're losing. That said, ladies and gentlemen, it's a great, great way of, of becoming financially free without the necessity of selling anything to anybody, of putting your name out there, and it's great. So if you guys are interested in doing this, go check out Tier 1 Trading. Guys, Tier 1 Trading is the number one coaching platform in my most humble opinion. They're absolutely amazing. You guys are going to be taught by Akil Stokes, Jason Graystone, Charles Miles. They do a lot of free courses and free webinars and stuff all the time, so go check those out. They're full of great information. And guys, look, honestly, Tier 1 Trading is the number one trading place. I know I just said that, but I genuinely believe. I've been personally taught by Akil Stokes, Jason Greystone, and Charles Miles. I talk to Charles Miles even to this day. You know, they're absolutely amazing set of guys. They're not going to turn you down the wrong path. They're going to teach you the art and the skill of trading. They're going to teach you about technical analysis, how to create a trading plan, how to backtest and forward test that trading plan. They're going to teach you advanced pattern recognition. They're going to teach you money management, which is how you ultimately grow your account exponentially. They're going to teach you a whole host of things, risk management, all kinds of great stuff. So if you guys are interested in that, then go check them out. I'll put the link in the description below. Go check them out, and uh, if, if you're interested, then consider getting involved, and uh, you know, then if you choose to do that, not only will you be supporting the show, but you're also going to get a really, really great course and a really great skill. That said, you know, if you are in the boat, like I described before, where you want to become financially free, you want to have a business, you want to teach other people stuff, maybe you want to do information marketing, but you don't know what you want to do, then ladies and gentlemen, whether you want to teach someone or not, if you still are unsure of what you want to do with regards to your business, then go check out Skillshare. Guys, Skillshare is an amazing educational platform that has thousands of really high quality courses that you guys can get access to of all different various topics. You've got courses with relation to, you know, trading, you know, futures trading, options trading. You've got investing courses. You've got courses out there when it comes to photography, how to fly a drone, email copywriting. I personally have used it for uh, Skillshare for email copywriting. I've used it for YouTube ads. I've used it for how to, you know, website design. I've used it for a lot of different things I intend to continue to because, guys, it's just really great. And you know what? What Skillshare is doing is Skillshare is going to give you two weeks for free, which is absolutely amazing, guys, just so you guys can check out what they got available, see if there's anything on there that you'd be interested in. But ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know what you want to do, Skillshare is one of the best ways to go do it. They also have coding as well. Coding is a very, very valuable skill, and you can easily gain access to a lot of great coding courses there as well. So ladies and gentlemen, it's a great way. It's dirt cheap. It's not that expensive. And they're going to give you two weeks for free. So if you're interested in investing in your own human capital, and you need to be regardless of how, whether the economy is doing bad or good, you need to be investing in your own human capital. All right. So go check out Skillshare if you're interested in that. And last but certainly not least, ladies and gentlemen, we talk about inflation all the time here on the show. We talk about how the the banks are engaging in fractional reserve banking. We're talking about how the Federal Reserve is taking on assets onto its balance sheets, whether it's doing that through the Treasury, you know, taking on Treasury bills and Treasury bonds, or whether it's, you know, working with other financial firms and, and actually purchasing bonds from other corporations on the bond market. Regardless of what it is, they are constantly increasing the supply of money that exists in our economy today. And in the past, all that money was sitting in the, the stock market, the bond market, right? In real estate. And it was flowing over into consumer items, like the stuff that you go shop at the grocery store. But it wasn't flowing over a, a ton, right? It wasn't like so much so to the point where it was even noticeable to the vast majority of people. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the Federal Reserve is starting talking about actually giving direct access, creating an app that all citizens can have. And that basically where there are bonds on those apps and when, you know, unemployment ticks up to a certain extent or, or whatever, you know, variable, re, you know, passes a certain threshold, they're going to inject and activate the bonds, unemployment insurance bonds or whatever, and inject money straight into the bank accounts of the people. If you don't think that's going to cause monetary devaluation like crazy, then you don't know anything about economics. That is not going to be positive. If the Federal Reserve does that, that is bad. Bad, bad news for us. So ladies and gentlemen, how do we react? Well, one of the best ways in my most humble opinion, and this is not financial advice, 
okay? I don't know what's, what, what financial situation you are in. I'm not giving you financial advice. But in my opinion, one of the best ways to have a hedge against inflation is to own precious metals. Now, there's a lot of other ways that you could do. You could do cryptocurrencies. You can do real estate if you have the money for it. But cryptocurrencies are kind of complicated for a lot of people, right? Not a lot of people understand cryptocurrencies, and some people are still skeptical of them. They're certainly not mainstream right now. You know, and real estate, well, it's it's really, really expensive. It's not easy to get involved in, not unless you've got a lot of money. So what's to be done? Well, precious metals, while there are really expensive precious metals like gold, like rhodium, palladium, these are very highly expensive precious metals, but there's silver. Ladies and gentlemen, silver is my favorite way to build up a portfolio and build up that hedge against inflation. It's my favorite way of doing it. I think it's absolutely, absolutely amazing. And it's one of the greatest ways. Look, to be honest with you guys, I buy silver all the time. I even ask for silver for my birthday and Christmas. That's pretty much what I always ask for. I, I, not just because of the portfolio. I also like collecting coins from like actual sovereign mints from all around the world. I think that's cool. It's really cool. But ladies and gentlemen, there's all kinds of different kinds of coins that you can buy, silver bars, all sorts of stuff. But silver is a cheap and simplistic way of building that hedge against inflation, okay? And let's be honest, it's really easy. All It's almost just as easy as real estate, but I'd say it's even easier because it's just buying silver, putting it in a safe in your house, and holding it. Very, very simplistic stuff. It's not complicated. You don't have to be a super genius to figure it out. And it's affordable. What's more? The problem with real estate, like I said before, is that it's simple to understand. You just buy real estate, right? You just hold it. Wait for the value to go up. Rent the property out. But it's difficult to get involved because there's a big barrier, and that's the price. You don't have that barrier with silver. But ladies and gentlemen, silver is a great way. It's a great hedge against inflation. It's cheap. It's affordable. And the best part is, is that it's simplistic. It's easy to understand. So if you're interested in getting involved in that, if you're interested in owning silver and building up that portfolio, then head over to Money Metals Exchange. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not an affiliate program. It is a referral program. What that means is if I refer new customers to them, that and you and they end up making a purchase, then I get a silver, a free silver coin, and they get a free silver coin. Okay, it's a great program. We both benefit. So if you're interested in that, the link that I'm going to be listing is not an affiliate link. Just click on it, take you directly to their website. But what I need you to do, if you decide to make a purchase with them, they're a company that I've used, and they're really, really great. They're absolutely amazing, and I, and I really, really like the product that they offer and whatnot. So if you guys are interested in that and you decide to make a purchase, make sure to mention my name. If you mention my name, we will both get free silver coins, but you have to be a new customer in order for it to apply. If you've ordered stuff through Money Metals Exchange before, it's not going to count. But hey, if you like them and you already have bought from them before, then hey, more power to you. Continue. You know, it's, it's a, they're a great website for this. So guys, if you're interested in that, go get involved. Mention my name. And again, my name is in the podcast name and you can just copy and paste it if that's what you want, you know, bookmark the podcast website and whatnot. So if you guys are interested in that, go check it out and see what you think. Look, essentially they're all kind of saying the same thing. As the shutdowns continue to ease, the economic data continues to grow better and better and better. But there's still instability in the economy and it doesn't necessarily mean that things are going to go back to normal, but it is a good sign in that direction. So as to what's going to happen, I still think that the economy is going to ultimately take a dive next year, but you know, I don't want it to seem like I'm sticking to that thing, just that storyline, just because I want to be right. Look in the end, while I do have some parts of me that want to be right with regards to, you know, being vindicated and my analysis and predictions being correct, I also don't want to be right at the same time because of the suffering that other people and myself may actually incur. So ladies and gentlemen, let me be completely honest with you, okay? I think there's a high chance the economy is going to take a dive next year at some point after the election. That's what I think, but I don't know for sure. And just like everybody else, I don't have a crystal ball. 
No one else has a crystal ball, and it's just going to be something where we have to wait and see what happens. All in all, ladies and gentlemen, there are, is some good economic data out there, and it's a possibility that we could be seeing uh, a rebound, and maybe the rebound will continue, and the, all of the instability that still exists is largely just going to get kicked down the road. I, I don't know. So we're just going to have to wait and see. But if nothing else, that was positive data points that show that there is a possibility of a recovery. Now, after the election happens, all that uncertainty is largely going to go and change. So we'll just we'll just have to see what's going to happen. We're just going to have to see. That being said, ladies and gentlemen, in the end, you know, regardless of, of what the economy does, you have a choice on what you can do right? You know, you can choose whether you're going to constantly worry about the economic calamity that is coming down the line, or you can choose to make a different choice. You could choose to not take part in it. You can choose to invest in yourself, in your own human capital, and become financially free by taking control of the source of your income. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the number one way to truly become free, regardless of what happens in the election, regardless of what happens in the economy. If you control the source of your income, you will be better insulated from all of those things. And that is one of the best things that you guys can do. And I know there's a ton of people out there that don't necessarily believe that controlling the source of your income is the best way to go. You know, they're too scared to do it. They'd much rather just be employed by somebody else, but they don't understand the real risks that are associated by being employed by somebody else. Look, there are a lot of risks that are of being employed by somebody else. You know, if you, if you are employed, they could lay you off at the drop of a hat. You can give them 10 years, 10, 20 years of your, of, of your best, always constantly working really, really hard for them, basically fulfilling their unrealistic expectations. I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever worked in a corporate office, right? But it's, if you've ever worked in a corporate office, then you know, there's tons and tons and tons of meetings all the time. And then on top of that, you have your bosses, you know, asking all kinds of things from you. Usually none of it's realistic. I want to get, I want you to do this project and I want it to be done you know, tomorrow effectively. And they always are asking the impossible, always making you wear multiple hats, always, always, always making you work harder and harder for them. Is it really the life you want? I know that controlling the source of your income can be a scary thing. I get it. Okay. It is scary. Putting yourself out there, putting your emotions, how you truly feel about stuff, putting your insights out there. You know, it is, it can be scary. Yeah. And then knowing that you're going to be investing in something that you don't really know how it's going to play out, it, it can be scary. But ladies and gentlemen, it is the best way to become truly free in this world. And if you don't, then you're going to be at the whims of the economy. You're going to, and yeah, even if you do create your own business, you could very well, of course, you could end up losing money because there's just a, the demand for whatever you're offering just falls. That, that could happen. Of course that could. But you will have more control over the brand. You will have more control over the, what the company does. You will have absolute control. If you want to pivot your company and start selling, I don't know, different items, you can go ahead and do that. If you want to start selling different services, you can go ahead and do that. You are the one that's in control. So ladies and gentlemen, I would urge you to take control of your life today. I would urge you to make that choice, to get out there, to start figuring out what you want to do in your life. And I would urge you to take control of the, of the source of your income and to start that journey now. Even if you don't know what it is you want to do, start thinking about it. Start imagining what your perfect day, if you had to work, what would your perfect day look like? What would you be doing? How would you, your day be organized? Start thinking about those types of things because in the end, that's the only thing that's going to make you free. Many people haven't even begun to think about that kind of stuff. And don't come to me and tell me that, oh, well, my perfect day is not working at all. That's not what I'm saying. That's not realistic. We all have to work. So if you have to work, what does your perfect day look like? What kind of perfect job are you? Are you the type of guy you honestly just want to work an assembly line? Is that it? Okay, fine. But then don't complain when things go badly for you because they're going to. At some point, you're going to get laid off. At some point, your skills are going to be deemed obsolete. Unless you continue to keep yourself valuable, you continue to work your, your way up the ladder, and you, maybe you continue to hop from one industry to another. I don't know. If you're going to work for somebody else, that's, that's what you need to do. You can't be 
satisfied with working on the assembly line. You need to be the one managing the assembly line, managing the manufacturing facility that the assembly line is at, managing the process. And then maybe you, you even work up the corporate lab. You need to make yourself so valuable if you're going to work for somebody else that you cannot hope to be uh, you know laid off. They can't afford to lay you off. It's very difficult to do though. So guys, if that, that's your only alternative, if you choose not to become financially free, but even then I still think even if you are the most valuable, it's really hard to actually ensure that. So ladies and gentlemen, I think that if you want to be financially free, you have to take control of the source of your income. You have to be independent. If you are of a libertarian persuasion, a persuasion of independence and things like that, I think that you absolutely need to pursue that route. I think that you absolutely need to start putting your beliefs in, into practice. Start living the values you claim to cling to so heavily. Start becoming an example to others. As you start to, you know, become successful, others around you will start to take notice and they will ask questions and that will be a great opportunity for you to, you know, help them, for you to speak your mind and help them by maybe influencing them, right? But they're not going to care if you're just some Joe Smo, just like them, right? You, you need to become successful. You need to take control of the source of your income and you can make that choice today. All right, ladies and gentlemen, hey, if you like this episode, make sure to like wherever you are, make sure to subscribe wherever you are. And if you really, really getting a lot of value out of what I'm doing here, then please share the show wherever you are. Hit that share button, whether it's on Facebook, whether it's on, on Twitter, Parler, wherever. Make sure to hit that share button. Odds are if you like it, somebody else is going to like it as well. So if you like what I'm doing here, then help me grow this message of financial freedom to as many people as we can get to listen and get out and share it. That said, another great way that you guys can help support the show is to leave me a rating and review on iTunes. Ladies and gentlemen, that is one of the best ways you guys can support me. You know, if you like what I'm doing, you're getting value out of this, and please head over to iTunes, leave me a rating review there, and help me to get on the map. When you leave me a rating review there, I, my show can start getting listed on the rankings, and, and that will make it more visible to more people and will help grow this show and grow the audience. So if you guys are getting value out of it, then please head over and, and leave me a rating and review on iTunes. And certainly, last but not least, again, if you're getting a lot of value out of this and you're not interested in supporting the show in any of the other ways that I've I previously mentioned, then please consider giving a donation to the show. I know that's asking a lot, but ladies and gentlemen, I'm trying to grow this message of financial freedom, I'm trying to keep people informed about the economic circumstances, and I'm ultimately trying to grow this message of control of the freedom that controlling the source of your income can really provide for you. And I think that if everybody was to adopt this way of thinking and, and, and focus less on politics, focus less on the political theater, I think that we would make the world a better place. So if you guys also agree with that and you're getting a lot of value out of here, then please consider giving a donation to the show. You will help me to come in here and to produce this great content for you guys each and every week. And on top of that, you will also help me spread this message of financial freedom to, as, again, as many people as we can get to listen. So that being said, guys, if you will do all that for me, I'll see you guys in the next episode. As always, know the risks, plan accordingly, and have a great day.